Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Josh Hill, and I'm alongside Patrick Schmidt. There's no Matt Verderam today. I mean, there's still a Matt Verderam. <laughs> he hasn't gone anywhere. This is the Matt Verderam uh, memorial episode where we pay tribute. Um, but no, Schmidt's joining me today. We're going to be talking about some college football players that NFL fans should be paying attention to. And also, Schmidt's a Bears fan. So I think we're going to talk about the Bears, especially because I'm not so high on them this year. Uh, not necessarily because of Mitchell Trubisky, but because of a number of other factors. Uh, I feel like they're a bit too hot of a pick this year, but we'll get into that. But Schmidt is our college football editor, our senior college football editor. And we're going to jump right into this and talk about way too early NFL draft stuff, right, Schmidt? Yeah, let's do it. It's it's always NFL draft season, right? Like, <laughs> it's not just reserved for March and April. It's a, it's a year-round thing, and I love the draft. It's the, the perfect marriage of college football and the NFL, which we're both fans of, so... Uh, it's never too early to, to start talking about who's going to be the, the top pick or who are some of the top quarterbacks and give NFL fans um, some players and some schools that they should be watching on Saturdays because those players might soon be helping them on Sundays and Monday nights. That's right. We're, we're going to get into Schmidt's mock draft, your first mock draft, I think, of the year. Have you done one for the site yet or no? Have not done one for the site. Did a few, obviously, for last year. But, um, yeah, we're, we're still early on the, uh, the planning stages for the mock drafts. But, um, yeah, we'll have <laughs> recurring uh, mock drafts during the season. We'll have uh, the big boards, uh, players who are helping their stock, hurting their stock, and all that good stuff. So plenty of stuff to come. And this will kind of be like our, our first introduction into uh, the 2020 draft class. So, the last two years, the quarterbacks have kind of been the conversation. Really, you could say that that's the case every single year. True. We had our Baker Mayfield draft a couple of years ago with Sam Darnold mm-hmm. and Josh Rosen, who now plays for a different team than who drafted him, uh, specifically because the quarterback that the Cardinals took last year, Kyler Murray, was such a sensation. He was such a phenomenon. And that was in a class where I thought I, I thought back to, the, I think it was the 2011-2012 class, whatever the Jake Locker-Christian Ponder draft yep. was. Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, where we were getting hyped up. Uh, was that the year before or after the Luck uh, uh, RG3 draft? I want to say this was before Luck and RG3, but... Because those, yeah. those, those two narratives always seem to go hand-in-hand, hand, where we have a really good quarterback draft, and the ground seems super fertile, and then the next year it's like, oh, there's not really anybody here, and all of a sudden we get to draft day and Daniel Jones is going you know, mm-hmm. in the top 10 to yeah. the New York Giants, which seems absurd to me. But next year does seem to be a pretty good quarterback class. So here are the top five quarterbacks right now as we head into the college football season. Of course, this is going to change. But we have Tua from Alabama, who, on a quick aside, it's because a lot of people can't say his last name. I know I struggle <laughs> with it. But it's kind of cool to be a guy like a Prince yeah. or somebody who yeah, the MJ, one name, LeBron, one name. Tiger, Serena. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Two, two is not quite on that legacy level yet, I don't think. Yeah, we'll give him some time. Yeah, one, um, yeah, one college football season, and then the, <laughs> the championship game his freshman year where he came in and played the hero. But, yeah, he's, he's certainly on that path. But, yeah, Tungo Vailoa. Uh, but, go. yeah, Tua. Um, yeah, really special player, Heisman runner-up. Looked like he was going to win the Heisman last year before, yeah. uh, you know, he had a, a nagging uh, ankle injury, kind of got banged up, didn't really play his best football against Georgia in the SEC championship game at the end of the year. Kyler Murray was just fantastic. 
stole the Heisman away from him, but Tua's back. He's got a lot of weapons at Alabama, as they always tend to do. Uh, great protection. They're going to be back in the college football playoff again, so he should have another outstanding season. want to see him get through the season healthy. Yeah. But, yeah, he's a, a really special player. You talk about Tua, the first thing you talk about is his accuracy. You know, I, I hate to make the comar- comparison to Drew Brees because, you know, this is one of the three to five <laughs> best players of all time or quarterbacks of all time, but Tua has that rare special accuracy where he could put it anywhere and, you know, outside of the durability concerns, if he can get through the season healthy, play well against the LSUs and Georgias, the great defenses of the world, because he was bad against Georgia. He was not great against LSU, struggled against Clemson. If he could have some great games against some great defenses, don't be surprised if he's the number one pick. We were just looking at a graphic on NFL Live on ESPN, <clears throat> and they were showing the, all the best starters in the NFL right now from Alabama, or the players who are in the NFL. And the only weak spot was quarterback and the history of alabama has been these great defensive teams progressives home court explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies now that we've covered something you could do it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do if you were head coach you would not have gone for it on fourth down your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from let alone choosing a play in front of seventy thousand screaming fans but you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. You've go, you got a pro-style offense, Nick Saban, and all these teams. You always hear it every single year. Ooh, could they beat the Jaguars? Could they yeah. beat the Cardinals? Or whatever. But quarterback always seems to be a, a problem when you go to the pros. Joe Namath is like the only exception, I think, to this rule, it seems. And now, all of a sudden... Tua is this sensation. Is he going to be the guy? I mean, we don't have the answers now, but do you see him? You just list off a bunch of his his uh, attributes. Mm-hmm. Why is he going to be the guy that, that busts this? Because he's going to be the number one pick going into the season on all these mock drafts, even with this Alabama quarterback curse hanging over his head. Yeah, and that's one of like the big like negative recruiting things that fans will throw out for Alabama because you got to go back to Kenny Stabler and Joe Namath where you're like, yeah, it was the last great quarterback to come out of Alabama, you know, like they've won despite quarterbacks or in spite of quarterbacks, you know, the John Parker Wilsons, the Blake Sims of the world, Jacob Coker, uh, but Tua, he's special. He's been, uh, you know, one of the top recruits, a top college football player. He's got everything to be successful in the NFL, so he will definitely buck that A.J. McCarron uh, type train but um yeah man he he's great he's got a, a lot of great weapons um you know depending on the type of situation it goes to the type of coaching staff that's in place um you know it'll kind of dictate how quickly he has success or not uh as he translates to the next level but very few concerns about Tua and he's about six foot six one uh, but he's a thick, like, 220, 225 or so. So he's kind of got that, like, Russell Wilson build, but he's got a couple extra inches on him, uh, a little bit bigger than Drew Brees. So, you know, he's not the 6'5", 230 type of guy, but uh, he's definitely not in the Kyler Murray where, you know, <laughs> is this guy barely six feet tall? Is he over 200 pounds? So uh, Tua's really got everything you're looking for. And, you know, like I said, if he can get through the season healthy, play well against the top defenses, he's just going to keep checking all those boxes off. I'm a Buccaneers fan, and let's say Jameis Winston does what Jameis Winston has done for the last five years of his career, and which is absolutely nothing, and Bruce Arians is going into the 2020 draft needing a quarterback. They have the number two pick. Two is off the board. You've got Jake Fromm from Georgia and Justin Herbert from Oregon. Who am I taking if I've got that number two pick, at least right now? I would probably lean towards Justin Herbert, but he's got to have a good year. Justin Herbert's the 6'5", 230-pound prospect. Uh, Jake Fromm, a little bit smaller, you know, about 6'2", 220-ish or so. Uh, but Justin Herbert, 6'5", uh, bigger, stronger, athletic. He can move around a lot. Uh, but he's had a lot of injury issues over the last couple of years at Oregon. He could have came out last year and, and probably been in that top eight. to Would have been ahead of Daniel Jones. <laughs> uh, so, you know, he could have been the sixth pick overall. Um, but, yeah, he, he'll probably be... Between Tua and Justin Herbert, I could see that being a 1-2-2-1 race uh, for the better part of the season. We'll see how things shake out in the combine and and in the draft lead-up. But between Fromm and Herbert, I think Herbert has more upside. Fromm is a good player. I don't know if he's a a great, special, like franchise-changing type quarterback. 
I think he's good. He's got good arm talent. You know, it's he's good across the board, but, it, you know, is he special? Is he great? Is he elite at any one thing? I'm not quite sure about yet. He's been a starter for the last few years at Georgia. Uh, you know, just like Alabama, they have high expectations for their team this year. So this could be a big season for Fromm where he could move into that, you know, top 10 pick range in the first round. But if I'm sitting on the clock, two is off the board and I need a quarterback, I'm probably going to take Justin Herbert, but he's no sure thing. He's got a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of I don't want to say red flags, but he's got questions he needs to address. And this is a big year for Oregon uh, in addition to Herbert. They have, uh, you know, Mario Cristobal for year two, a lot of expectations. Big recruiting class coming in. They'll be young, but uh, they should score a lot of points in the Pac-12. So look for Justin Herbert to uh, really kind of cement himself towards the top of the NFL draft. I got KJ Costello and Jacob Eason are the rounding out the top five heading into the season quarterbacks. KJ Costello is from Stanford. Mm-hmm. Andrew Luck is really the only notable Stanford quarterback in the recent years. Recent, yeah. Because obviously John yeah, Elway. We don't need to go to but, Elway, yeah. <laughs> but then you got to go back to Elway. And then Eason is the quarterback at Washington. And, you know, nothing against Jacob Eason because I don't think he's the same player, but my mind immediately goes back to Jake Locker, who. You got a West, oh, West Coast quarterback who plays at 11 o'clock at night. Nobody ever sees him. All we hear is the hype train, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he plays, what, four years in the NFL and goes out. Not that Easton's going to do the same thing, but Stanford and Washington aren't necessarily schools where if I'm a team or I'm a fan of a team looking for a quarterback in the NFL, I'm going, ooh, those are two institutions I really want to go to. Should, should fans maybe change their expectations for these two guys heading into the year? Well, the Pac-12 has produced some good quarterbacks. It's a It's a – an offensive-friendly conference. Uh, you know, there's more defense played in the Pac-12 than the, than the Big 12, for example. But, um, yeah, uh, great prospects. There's a nice canvas there to work with there for Costello and Eason. These are both big guys, then the 6'5 to 220 to 235 range. Um, but it's a big growth year for, for them, especially for Eason. Uh, speaking about Fromm, Fromm replaced Eason when Eason was hurt. A couple years ago so Eason transferred last year or or was sitting out last year due to transfer rules so he was you know just killing things on the scout team for Washington last year while Jake Browning was kind of rounding out his career and and he'd do some good things he'd do some bad things be like oh man just wait till Jacob Eason's in that lineup and we'll really see this Washington offense click so um, you know he'd really only have one year of starting experience if he were to come out at the end of this year but if he has a great year in Washington, they've been the, the team to beat in the Pac-12 the last few years. So if Eason can, you know, if he if he's not too rusty after the, the year off of competitive football, and, and really it's two years off because he was hurt early two years ago sitting behind Fromm. So if he could shake off that rust, get back in the lineup, he's got a big arm. He was a former number one overall quarterback recruit coming into college when he went to Georgia initially. So, um, you know, I think he could do some good things some really good things um but he's unproven so uh, you know it, it's tough to say this guy's going to be a top 10 top 15 pick he's got to go out there and show it and do it and i think he's capable of that uh kj costello last year was kind of in a, a similar position where he was like it was his time it was his first full year as a starter for stanford um you know bryce love was hurt pretty much all year so it was kind of his show his offense to run they did some good things. He really came on strong at the end of the year. He, I don't want to say he struggled, but he didn't put up big numbers against USC. Uh, he struggled against Notre Dame, which was really their, their toughest game of the year. Uh, but he, he he came on really strong at the end of the year, played really well against Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Cal, really came on strong, like four and five touchdown games, you know, 70% accuracy or 70% completion percentage. So, He's a guy that I think a lot of people are sleeping on. It's it's two a Herbert from it's those big three, and then you know you could ask five different people who's your who's your QB four. You might get five different answers, but for me, I really like KJ Costello as that that QB four so far coming into this year's class. And you know he's got a lot of tools. He's well coached there by David Shaw, so I think he's a guy. You know, he's probably not going to go in the top five to ten picks, but maybe a team that. You know, maybe they go six and ten, seven and nine this year. Just missed the playoffs, and it's like, well, we need an infusion. We need a great young quarterback. I think he could be a guy that kind of fits that mold. So, uh, it's worth staying up late for those, those nine o'clock uh, start times to watch some West Coast football because between Herbert, Costello, and Eason, those are three great quarterbacks that all figure to be at the top in the middle of the first round conversation. 
Well, as our old colleague Jack Jorgensen would always like to say, you got to stay up for Hawaii football. That's, That's why you got to stay up. They got a quarterback, <laughs> Cole McDonald. He put up. I mean, hey, Hawaii quarterbacks always put up big <laughs> numbers, but uh, Cole McDonald he might have an NFL future. Most of these Hawaii quarterbacks don't, but uh, he's a little bit bigger, huge arms. So yeah, I mean, when all those regular uh, you know primetime matchups end around ten or ten thirty local time. It's worth finding Hawaii on CBS Sports Network or, or wherever they're on to, to kind of close out the night for some post-midnight college football action. Well, speaking of quarterbacks who might have an NFL future, we the pool is bigger than these five guys that we talked about. And this is also with the asterisk of we're heading into the season. A lot can change. Like this time last year, Kyler Murray was going to be playing baseball right now. Right. And then he became the number one pick. Um Part of that, I think, I mean, he had the, the skill and the talent. Also, he played at a big school. They got a lot of coverage. And I think that the NFL hype machine, which is much stronger than the baseball hype machine, oh, yeah. got a hold of him. And all you could hear was Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. And he wins the Heisman and does all of this stuff. I don't think any of these guys are Heisman Trophy winners. I don't think any of these guys are Kyler Murray-esque. But we got a list of guys like a Nate Stanley or a Shea Patterson who might be able to help themselves because they play at a big school. Who sticks out to you, Schmidt, as a quarterback that if you don't want, if you want to be a hipster and not look at these top five guys and you want to get ahead of the conversation, who are you looking at? Who are you investing stock in right now? You know what? I think I'm buying stock in Jordan Love, smaller school guy from Utah State, uh, bigger guy, about 6'4", 220. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. 20. Uh, he's athletic. He's mobile. Big arm. You talk about deep throw. This guy might have the best deep ball in college football. Really accurate on the deep ball. Uh, it, it's crazy. He's more accurate with the deep ball than he is with the short and intermediate routes, which is why he's not being talked about as a, a first or second round type of prospect. Um, so again, this is a, a big season for him to to really show how much he improved from last year to this year, where he was like one of the best players in the Mountain West uh, and really like the best quarterback in Utah State single season history, just shattered pretty much all of their single season passing records. So if he has a, a great encore this year, this is a guy that's going to be in that like you know, day two conversation. If you know a team doesn't want to invest in a, a first round pick, uh, he's a guy that could be uh, you know a real wild card type of player. And you know the, the the conversation or the thought where it's like, well, if we're going to take a quarterback, we got to take him the first round because history suggests you know there's only so many Russell Wilsons, there's only so many Tom Brady's uh, where you can strike gold outside of the first round. But Jordan Love is a guy that I really like. Um, you know, that I'm going to be watching a, a lot of his games, a lot of his tape this season to see how he progresses, how he matures, how he leads his team. Uh, you know, are they going to be able to win a lot of games? So uh, he's a guy that I'm really curious to see how he does. Some of the other guys, like you mentioned, you know, Nate Stanley, he's, you know, he's a guy that's going to probably go day three. He's got some good size. He's got some good arm uh, action. But, you know, is he a special player? Is he a guy that I, I would feel comfortable starting week in and week out, being the face of my team? You know, a lot of these guys, you know, the Joe Burrows of the world, the Shea Pattersons of the world, I just don't feel too confident in them leading my franchise. But Jordan Love, he's a wild card. Uh, Sam Ellinger, I, he's a great college player at Texas. You know, you talk about Kyler Murray winning the Heisman. He's definitely going to be squarely in the Heisman conversation. Um, he's kind of like a, a, you know, a Tim Tebow-esque, uh, you know, power runner. He's going to get like 15 touchdowns, and he's not he's not afraid to lower his shoulder and run a guy over. But, you know, how advanced and, and mature is he as a passer uh, for the NFL game? I just don't think he's there yet. But uh, he's a great college player. You just worry about his skills translating to the NFL. And Shea Patterson. A former top recruit, you know, he was right behind Jacob Eason in that recruiting class a couple years ago. Didn't really live up to the hype in Michigan in his first year there. I'm really curious to see what he can do this year, uh, his second year working with Jim Harbaugh. A lot of expectations for the Wolverines, as always, but they're the preseason pick to win the Big Ten. So uh, a lot of that's going to fall on Patterson. And, and if he can lead Michigan to the Big Ten title and he has a great season, uh, he'll be firmly in that, you know, day three, day two conversation. But... Uh, for me right now, it's it's the Tua from Herbert Costello Eason, and then for the wild cards, it's Jordan Love for me, and the rest it's kind of just like white noise, and 
know, as always, there's going to be a, a player or two that kind of emerges from from the crowd and from the noise. But for now, you know, it, it kind of does feel like we had some great classes the last two years, and now it's like, you know, maybe we get like three first round picks as opposed to like five or six in the first round, like we've had the last couple of years. Which of these guys? is going to be the guy that we're mentioning as we head towards the April draft as, oop, this is Tom Brady's successor. This is Bill Belichick's. Because every single year we get that, going all the way back to Ryan Mallett, which worked out so well for them. I mean, Garoppolo was the closest thing that they had. But which one of these guys are we going to be like, that's because you're selling me on Jordan Love kind of being that. A Belichick type of quarterback we might want to draft and yeah he, he's kind of similar to Jacoby Prasad who who had played for the for the Patriots for a little while um yeah you gotta think at some point the Patriots are gonna go back to that quarterback <laughs> well um and we'll see what to, I'm, I'm gonna have to do some more research on like the Bill Belichick relationships with <laughs> you know coaches at Iowa or LSU or, or wherever but um you know maybe it is a guy like Joe Burrow who's a guy that maybe they take in like the fifth sixth round something like that Maybe they stash for a year or two or three or four because it doesn't seem like Brady's aging at all. He's like got Benjamin Button syndrome where he's like getting younger <laughs> by the year. So um, maybe he's a guy that kind of intrigues some teams late. But um, yeah, shoot, I don't know. They might. I don't. I don't know, man. For Brady's successor, I don't know if that's going to be in this year's draft or not. Which is kind of a bummer considering not just the Brady thing, but considering all we heard was wait until twenty twenty, wait until a twenty twenty draft. I mean the Dolphins are tanking for Tua. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It seems like we've gone from this huge great quarterback class to uh, maybe it's one guy and we're not even sure about him. But there will be other players drafted, as there are, and they're not all gonna be quarterbacks. Right. I mean, they're not even gonna be all quarterbacks in the top five. It might just be Tua and four other guys. Who are some other players around college football? that you as the expert have circled and you want to say, pay attention to this guy because when these mock drafts come out, you're going to be seeing this name. You're going to be seeing it pretty high. Well, last year outside of, uh, you know, the Kyler Murray debate, uh, you know, the, the big storyline from that year's draft was look at all these great edge rushers and defensive linemen. And, you know, you have the defensive ends, you have the, the three, four outside rushers. This year, I don't know if it's as well, it's definitely not as deep, but we we could still probably have eight to twelve defensive linemen, edge rushers taken in the first round, and you know just like last year and a, a few years before that, let's go to Ohio State. Uh, the Bosa brothers are gone, but Chase Young at uh, the defensive end from Ohio State, he filled in for for Nick last year after he was injured, and then uh, withdrew from college to prep for the draft when he was recovering from his injury. So Chase Young's a guy about six five, two fifty ish. Uh, really good intangibles and instincts and all the all the athleticism in the world that you look for. So he's a guy that, you know, maybe if Tua or Herbert goes one or, or they, they go one two, I think Chase Young might be the best non quarterback or the or certainly the the best defensive end uh, in this year's draft. And if it's not Chase Young, we're sticking in the Big Ten. I like AJ Ipanisa, uh, another big strong guy. And Iowa, they've been churning out linemen and tight ends, you know, as long as Kirk Ferentz been in Iowa City. So uh, he's the latest defensive end to come off the assembly line there. Um, you know, he forces fumbles. He gets sacks. He lives in the backfield. He could play the run. He could play the pass. Uh, he probably plays a run a little bit better than Chase Young at this point. But uh, Chase Young, I'm, I might give him an edge as far as uh, just pure pass rushing uh, weaponry. But both those two guys, I think Ipanisa, I think he's probably a top six to ten pick. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he's a top five pick when it's all said and done. He's got Big Ten Defense of the Year player potential, so uh, both those guys are, are studs. And then when you look at the interior defensive line, Auburn. Auburn is pro- Auburn probably has the best defensive line in college football this year. If not one, they're certainly in the, the, the team picture. Uh, and Derek Brown, he's a he's kind of a, a DND tackle. Uh, maybe he's a, an edge. He plays a five-tech and a three-front. Maybe he's a, a three-technique and a four-man front, but... This guy is a monster, and he's going to cause a lot of damage in the SEC this season. So Young, Ipanisa, and Brown are some awesome, awesome defensive linemen. You know, beyond that, you got guys like Raquan Davis uh, at Alabama, who who I thought would have been like a, a top 15 pick last year. Didn't really have the college season that many anticipated, so he's he's back at school to kind of like repair that, uh, that draft stock. But, you know, when we talk about the NFL draft, it's, you know, a lot of the usual suspects, and, you know, the SEC has dominated the NFL draft for, gosh, I don't know, the last 10, 12, 15 years or so. 
and we published a, a, a ranking of the 100 best players in college football for 2019. And Tua came in at number two. Trevor Lawrence came in at number three, the Clemson quarterback, who when we talk about the 2021 draft, <laughs> I'd take Trevor Lawrence over all these guys. I would have taken Trevor Lawrence number one in this year's draft over Kyler Murray, and I would have, I would have gone to work with Trevor Lawrence. This guy's everything in the world you look for for a quarterback. But um, Grant Delpit, safety from LSU, came in number one hmm. on our fan side of the list of the top 100 players. This guy had like five picks, a ton of forced fumbles. He gets sacks. He's got incredible range as a center fielder. He helps in run support. He could cover on the back end. So, And when we talk about LSU, it's DBU, Patrick Peterson, Teron Matthew, Morris Claiborne, a lot of a lot of great defensive backs coming out of LSU. And Grant Delpit is, is going to be the latest one. Um, so I'm really excited to see how he can do against Alabama uh, when they play Tua. Um, this season it should be a, a great, great, great individual matchup. So those are like the best you know, defenders. I'd also got to throw in C.J. Henderson, mm. a cornerback from Florida. He's probably my top cornerback. Alabama's got a great cornerback as well, Trevon Diggs. Both those guys are going to be first rounders. Uh, but C.J. Henderson might be might be the the cream of the crop there. So, if you're looking for defense and you miss out on some of the top quarterbacks or whatever, so you got to go defensive line or secondary. Uh, those are the guys I'm looking for. Uh, last year, you talk about being a Bucks fan. We had the the two Devons, Devin White and Devin Bush, two middle linebackers going in the top 10, which really doesn't happen too often. I think we're going to be a little dry this year as far as middle linebackers go, but Dylan Moses is probably the best Mike linebacker, Alabama uh, player. He's a guy that's been, you know, hyped for, for years and years and years. I remember first learning about Dylan Moses when he was in seventh grade and Alabama and LSU and Texas <laughs> offered him a scholarship. When he was in middle school, I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, before he even plays in high school. So, um, he's been really, really good at Alabama. I don't know if he's been great yet, but this is kind of the year where it's like, all right, let's see if he could become like the C.J. Mosley or the Dante Howard um, that they've had in years past. So uh, he's a guy, if you're picking in the 20-ish range, he's a guy that might be uh, you know, a, big, uh, a big help there to short the middle of your defense. All right, let's get into it, Schmidt. You're... First mock draft of the year. Well, it's not a full mock draft. We'll do the top 10. This is a reverse of our fan-sided power rankings on how we think the season's going to go. And this is no surprise, but the Dolphins have the number one pick, and they're going to take who do you think? Yeah, you know, no disrespect to Josh Rosen, but I think Rosen's on a big kind of a one-year tryout. You know, even during the draft, I think we were writing, you know, the the Dolphins, you know, how they, they approached their draft. They were... They're kind of waiting until 2020. So, yeah, they're, they're full on tanking for Tua. So uh, if Tua gets out of this season healthy, uh, he does what we all think he's going to do. I got the Dolphins taking Tua. You know, Josh Hosen will be on his third <laughs> team in three years. Um, That'd be incredible. Yeah. Like, can yeah. you imagine being Josh Rosen? Who I didn't. I thought when he got drafted by the Cardinals, I was like, "Look, we're looking at maybe an Aaron Rodgers type of player from a mentality standpoint, cerebral of, type of guy." He's cerebral, and like his first quote when he got interviewed after getting drafted was nine other teams made a mistake." I was like, "Ooh!" And he already had the fire in his belly from Jim Moore throwing him under the bus mm-hmm. coming out at UCLA, and then he gets thrown into the fire by Arizona with a defensive head coach who they fired and an offensive coordinator who they fired halfway through the season gets traded to the Dolphins. I mean, this guy was a top 10 pick to have him be, I st- I'm still high on Josh Rose. I'm sorry. His perhaps the third time's the charm, but yeah, we'll yeah, see. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not ready to totally give up on <laughs> Rose too. Cause like, you know, I liked him too. You know, I obviously he was, you know, I had him behind Baker and Sam Darnold, who I think, you know, both those guys are going to have some really, really great sophomore seasons this year. Uh, but I like Josh Rosen more than I like Josh Allen, um, yeah. you know, so it, it's tough. He's He's been kind of discarded and, and forgotten about. A lot of people just don't like him personally for whatever reason. He's been outspoken. He's, you know, he's a little brash. You know, he, he says things and I kind of like that about him. But, um, you know, he's got talent and, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do for him. Miami doesn't really have a lot of help for him uh, to protect him and really put him in a great spot. But. You know, there's uh, 31 other teams in the NFL that'll be watching. Hey, maybe he's Tom Brady's successor as we think about this. Maybe they do get the number one pick. Josh Rosen needs to move. Maybe the Patriots give up like a second or a third or something like that. And, you know, maybe. I don't know. That's a real. We just kind of stumbled onto something. It makes me think. (laughs) I think Belichick and Josh Rosen would mesh. I, I think. 
I think that would work. But yeah, I mean, Rosen was was in a, a terrible situation in Arizona, and it's going to be interesting. But yeah, if the Dolphins get the number one pick, Tua, give him a face of the franchise, um, you know, which they haven't had in a, a long, long time. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, like, get out of here. Um, so yeah, it would, it would give some excitement. You know, Miami, they they're certainly aware of what uh, Alabama is, SEC football. So I think he would be. A, a great, great, great pick for the Miami Dolphins if they have the number one pick. That'd be a real when Harry met Sally type of situation with the uh, Patriots and Josh Rosen. You're just floating around. Yeah. You're aware of each other. You're not don't dislike each other. You're right. friendly, and then yep. all of a sudden you end up together. Yeah, so. It's kind of like, like, hey man, if you're if you're single <laughs> when you're forty and I'm single when we're forty, like, why, why do we get together? And like, it would be like so typical of the Patriots to just kind of stumble on a top ten pick that they could get for you know uh, ten cents on the dollar, God. but. Um, yeah, that that might be something. Uh, that could be a big next spring storyline to follow for sure. <laughs> God, and then if Tua doesn't work out for the Dolphins, it wouldn't be the first time Nick Saban screwed over the Dolphins. <laughs> Should have. It was yeah, the tank for, for sure. Trevor. Should have taken yeah, for Trevor. Exactly. All right, the Giants will have the number two pick in this mock draft according to our power rankings, and the Bengals have the third pick. Where are these two teams going? So the Giants. Well, we know they're not going to take Justin Herbert, the second quarterback on our board. I think they're going to go defensive end or defensive line. They could go. You know, it's too is obviously too high to take a wide receiver. You know, it's probably a little bit too rich to take an offensive tackle to protect uh, Daniel Jones moving forward. But you always need pass rushers. You can never have enough as the Giants won a couple of Super Bowls by having an embarrassment of riches along the defensive line. So I have them taking Chase Young, the DN from Ohio State. Uh, should help them uh, chase down Carson Wentz and Dwayne Haskins and uh, you know, Dak Prescott, provided he gets uh, locked up long-term in Dallas. So I think that would be a great pick for the Giants who would get a guy that hopefully for them would project to be a perennial, you know, double-digit kind of sack master for them. And then third, that's where the Bengals come into play. They get... Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. QB2, Andy Dalton. You know, a couple years ago, I thought maybe the, the Bengals would have been wise to draft Lamar Jackson. They obviously passed. He's in the division now with Baltimore. He's going to beat up on them now. Andy Dalton, he's just okay. We've seen what Andy Dalton can do. You know, best case scenario, he can lose you in the first round of the playoffs. I think, you know, with a new coaching staff there in Cincinnati, I think they get a new new regime, new era. <laughs> Andy Dalton's out. Justin Herbert comes in. He's got a big arm. He can play in the wins in Cincinnati. So uh, that would be a pretty, pretty good pick for Cincinnati and certainly an upgrade over Andy Dalton long term. And the Las Vegas Raiders will be on the clock whenever they get on the clock in 2020. Uh, we think it's going to be in the top five. So does anybody else with eyes. And the Hard Knocks cameras are probably going to give us a nice sweet preview of what is in store for John Gruden year two. Where do they go in the draft? Yeah, it still feels weird to say Las Vegas Raiders. Like, that's all, <laughs> like it just it, – it's oh, that's going to take some getting used to. I mean, I'm, a, I'm excited for the move. I'm excited to watch them on Hard Knocks. Um, could they go quarterback if if Carr struggles again this year? Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure to take a quarterback. You know, at four they might have to move up a little bit. I don't think they would take Jake Fromm uh, at number four. Um, so I have them taking a guy to protect the quarterback. My number one offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, out of Georgia. This guy's a beast. He's about like six 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 seven, three hundred thirty plus pounds. Strong. He can move. He's agile. He's light on his feet. Uh, despite how big he is. So he's a guy you can line up at left tackle, pencil him in for the next eight years. Hey, if he fails at the left side, you can throw him in on the right side. And this guy's got Pro Bowl, all pro potential. So an absolute monster. I would love to see him uh, with the Raiders. And, you know, if Carr's going to be the guy, they got to protect him, you know, with the offensive line. They got Josh Jacobs to kind of lighten the load there as far as running back is concerned. And they get him some weapons out wide and a tight end. You know, Carr can kind of do a little bit more damage. But, um, you know, I love the offensive linemen. We're, we're always going to see the top tackle in the draft going the top five somewhere. So I got Andrew Thomas going to the Raiders. All right, the Lions, the Cardinals, and the Buccaneers all have the next three picks in this mock draft. 
So the Lions, I would have them taking a wide receiver if, uh, you know, Matt Millen was still uh, calling the shots there in Detroit. <laughs> um, you know, the Lions, they have, they have a lot of holes. They could go a number of different directions, um, you know. But I think when you play in a division with Aaron Rodgers, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, the ascending Mitchell Trubisky. And, <laughs> we'll get uh, to that. <laughs> yeah, and Kirk Cousins, three solid, uh, well, one spectacular quarterback and, and two at least solid quarterbacks. Uh, I think you got to find a way to get to the quarterback. So I have them taking uh, the D-end out of Iowa, A.J. Ipanese. I think he would be a, a guy that fits in nicely. He's an Illinois native, goes to college at Iowa. So, you know, he's Midwestern, born and raised. So he'd fit in nicely there uh, with what they're doing. The Cardinals, we talked about Patrick Peterson earlier and uh, Tyron Matthew. Cardinals certainly are averse <laughs> to taking LSU, uh, you know, cornerbacks and safety. So I have them taking Grant Delpit who we just said is the best college football player regardless of position. So to get the best player at number six, that'd be a you know good value for them. And you know, Patrick Peterson, maybe he forces his way out through a trade or whatever uh, when he comes back from a suspension or in this offseason. Uh, they lost Matthew a couple years ago, so that secondary is kind of in a, a state of rebuild or certainly uh, you know going through a, a facelift. So Grant Delpit I have going to the Cardinals. And then the Buccaneers. We talk about Jameis Winston. You know, I, I'm buying what what Bruce Arians is selling. I think that's it's a good hire, philosoph like philosophically wise. To if Jameis Winston's going to be good, Arians will bring it out in him. And if it just doesn't work out, then you cut bait and you move on. And and then they're probably uh, looking to take a quarterback in this position. But uh, provided Winston does well, I have them taking Jerry Judy, uh, Tua's top wide receiver from Alabama. Jerry Judy is as fast as lightning. He's far and away the best wide receiver in college football. Uh, he's going to win the Bolitnikoff, I think, for a second year in a row uh, this coming season. You pair him with Mike Evans, that's a, a dangerous one-two combination there. And it just it, it goes towards supporting Jameis Winston, who you want to be your franchise quarterback. You need him to be your franchise quarterback. So support him every way you can. I think Jerry Judy uh, will just do that for them. A lot was made about Lamar Jackson getting the starting job last year in Baltimore. Forces Joe Flacco out, who ends up in Denver this year. They get Mark Ingram in the offseason to build that offense out. They draft Hollywood Brown last year, so, or this year, I guess. Uh, where are they going next year, assuming that they end up in the top 10 like we think they will? Because they're a growing team. I don't think that they're there yet. Got a good head coach. Have a quarterback who we have to see what we can get out of him in the next season. I think you know we're both higher on Lamar Jackson than I think a lot of people mm -hmm. are. But what are they doing in the draft to help Lamar Jackson and that offense in Baltimore? Yeah, this is a team I'm really excited to watch this year. The first full year with Lamar Jackson, that offense was was totally tailored uh, to what he does best. Yeah, I mean, they were just running like crazy last year. Uh, not much of a downfield passing attack. I think Lamar can grow as a you know a, as a passer, specifically a, a downfield passer. But uh, they took Hollywood Brown. They got Mark Andrews and some good tight ends there. Um, so to help Lamar Jackson, I have them going. You know, just like we talked about with the Raiders, I have them taking an offensive tackle, Walker Little out of Stanford. This guy's going to be an All American, uh, big guy. About obviously he's an offensive tackle, so he's big. But uh, you know, about six five, six six, three hundred plus pounds. Strong, big, smart, well-coached. Uh, he's a guy that you plug in at the left tackle. You give Lamar extra time to kind of run around, make plays happen. Um, so I think he's a guy that, you know, could really do some good things for the Ravens um, and kind of just help supporting Lamar Jackson, who you invest the first-round pick, and then he's going to be <laughs> your guy for five years. You got the skill position players, like you mentioned, with the drafts and the free agent signings. So continue to beef up that offense and add some big bodies to the offensive line and give Lamar Jackson basically a, a personal protector slash bodyguard in front of him. Joe Flacco went to the Denver Broncos, according to this power rankings and mock draft. Didn't help too much. Still in the top 10. Where are they going? Are they getting uh, finally getting a quarterback successor, or are they going to stick with Drew Locke, who they took this past year? Who I mean, A lot of people thought they were going to take in the top 15 top 10 and they didn't end up taking him yeah i remember doing many mock drafts where we had drew lock in the first round of the broncos you know in the, in the top 10 uh so they get him in the second round that's that's good value for him or for them if he pans out um yeah he, i mean he's gonna be starting over joe flacco you know probably by like mid-october i would imagine um oh yeah 
But, uh, yeah, you know, some of these John Elway drafts have been been tough to peg. But uh, for me, I, I have them going defense. I have them, you know, when, when the Broncos were great, they had, you know, Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris, that, that great cornerback tandem. You know, Chris Harris, he kind of wants some more money. Are they going to trade him? Are they going to move him? Are they going to move on? Uh, but C.J. Henderson, he's my top cornerback. And like I was saying, uh, you know, um, earlier when I was talking about, you know, for the Lions, they need to take a defensive end because they got Rodgers, Trubisky, yep. Cousins in the division. Well, the Broncos, they're going to be playing Patrick Mahomes twice a year. <laughs> so if they don't want to be giving up four to five touchdowns per game. They're going to have to upgrade and, and add more guys that could, uh, you know, stop Tyreek Hill and, you know, the Chargers receivers and, you know, maybe the Raiders, uh, you know, after a couple of years of picking in the top five, ten of the draft, you know, maybe they stumble onto some good picks. But the Broncos, they get C.J. Henderson. That's basically, hey, we are dangerously afraid of Patrick Mahomes and what he can do. But C.J. Henderson, he's a great talent. He's a number one quarterback, so he's deserving of, to go to this pick. But for the Broncos, it makes great sense considering the uh, the opponents are going to play. You know, Philip Rivers, he's not going to be playing forever, but, you know, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. So you got one surefire Hall of Famer in Rivers and then one who we're all ready to to you know, start giving him his gold jacket and start framing that bus for <laughs> for Mahomes and Canton. So yeah, I got C.J. Henderson, the cornerback from Florida, going to Denver. This continues his streak. If even if Verderam's not here, Patrick Mahomes comes up in some fawning way. Hey man, he's the he's the face <laughs> of the NFL, reigning MVP. I mean, it's a, it's it's bound to come up sooner or later. Yeah, the Carolina Panthers are rounding out the top ten in your first mock draft. Uh, they took Will Greer in, like, what, the third round last year? They got questions about Cam Newton. Kind of the Drew Locke situation with the Broncos. If they're going to take a quarterback, maybe it's next year. I don't think they're doing it this year. Um, questions on offense, questions on defense. Where do you have them going with this 10th overall pick? You know, for the Panthers, it feels like for the last, you know, three, four, five years or so, it seems like you could always pencil them in for a wide receiver. Like, Cam needs more help, you uh-huh. know. How many times are they going to run out Devin Funches out there? And, Josh, I don't know if you saw it, but the new season of All or Nothing came out on Amazon uh, a few days ago. And there's one episode in particular where Devin Funches, it was a game against the Lions, and he's you know he went to school in Michigan. So he had tons of family there, and he dropped like five, six, seven balls. It's just a terrible game. There's a clip that he's going off on the quarterback's coach. So obviously, <laughs> and he's gone. So, you know, they could – they could certainly use more wide receiver help, more help for Cam. You know, they, they have Christian McCaffrey. They have Curtis Samuel. They have offensive weapons. Um, but they took uh, Brian Burns, the edge rusher, out of Florida State last year, um, you know, because they certainly needed help on the defensive line with, you know, some aging veterans on that side gone uh, by now, like Charles Johnson and, and Julius Peppers. But um, I have them sticking on the defensive uh, side of things. And, and I have them taking Derek Brown, the defensive tackle from Auburn, who I said earlier. Is, uh, is the best player on the best defensive line in the country. Uh, he's a guy that's got some scheme versatility. The Panthers, they run a 4-3. Uh, but Ron Rivera there, he's a, a great defensive mind, one of the, the last remaining defensive-oriented head coaches in the NFL. And I think you give him another weapon to move around, uh, line him up next to Kwan Shore. That could be a, a, a deadly interior defensive line uh, in the NFC South. So, yeah, running out the top ten, I have uh, I have the the Panthers getting the third best defensive lineman in the draft, but the number one defensive tackle at number ten, which is which is a pretty good value. Yeah, they got Bruce Irvin on that line, Dontari Poe, and my guy Gerald McCoy, and then Brian Burns. Mm-hmm. That's a good defensive line, and then you'll also have him learning behind McCoy, who in Tampa was an outstanding player and both on and off the field. So I, that would be a guy that I would want my, you know, defensive tackle in the future. Yeah. From. And McCoy, I mean, that's, a, that's a, you know, a former number three overall pick yep. perennial pro bowler, all pro, you know, he's done a lot of great things. That'd be a phenomenal player to learn from Derek Brown, you know, does a lot of things that, that Gerald McCoy was doing, uh, you know, when he was coming out of Oklahoma. So yeah, if that does happen and we know Gerald McCoy, he's, you know, he's in the twilight of his career, but, mm-hmm. you know, Carolina, you know, hopefully they, they, they sign him, hopefully to get more than one year out of him. So, yeah, if Derek Brown can, can learn from Gerald McCoy for at least one year, that'd be, uh, you know, added value, you know, inside value there for them. As we transition to our uh, final topic, which is all about your beloved Chicago Bears and the last NFC North connection here <laughs> with this mock draft, you mentioned wide receivers with the Carolina Panthers. DJ Moore is their number one receiver. Their number two receiver on the depth chart. One Jarius Wright 
Mm. Former Minnesota Viking, great. Yeah, yeah. Former <laughs> Arkansas Razorback, great. Wow. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. That's the, your number two. So, yeah, let's – so with the Panthers, if they don't go Derek Brown, if they go – if they want to go more wide receiver, uh, T. Higgins, wide receiver from Clemson, uh, he's really their number two wide receiver. Justin Ross is really Clemson's best receiver. He had a huge season last year. He and Trevor Lawrence – Gosh, it's so good, man. We we could have an entire segment just for my love for Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> it's like Vertoram's love for Patrick Mahomes. But if uh, if the Panthers do say, hey, man, we need, we need more help for Cam. We need to round out this offense. T. Higgins, wide receiver from Clemson. He could be a guy in Colorado. Uh, they have a great wide receiver, LaVisca Chanel. I it's, I, str- I always struggle to pronounce his name. I say it differently every time I say it out loud. I know how to spell it. Saying it out loud, I, I always stumble. But uh, he's a guy. He had a little bit of injury problems last year. But you get the ball in his hands, and it's magic. He makes things happen. And Colorado, they don't really have a lot of talent around him. So uh, he's kind of really had to elevate his play to elevate his team. So um, if Carolina does go in a different direction, they look offense. Those would be a couple of guys that could be, uh, be really helpful. All right, Schmidt, you're a Bears fan. You grew up a Bears fan. Last year was probably the first good year of the decade, really. Yeah, since 2006. Yeah, since the Super Bowl year. Because yeah. then you you transition from, you know, speaking of, you know, we talked about earlier teams that Alabama wins with defense in spite of their quarterback. I mean, good Lord. Rex Grossman getting to a Super Bowl. Oof. Still one of the greatest anomalies in yeah. NFL history. That was, yeah, I mean, off. Yeah, let's go off of that. That was one of the, the most polarized, like, up and down, wow. up and down seasons I've seen from a quarterback in, you know, 30-plus years of, of watching the NFL. I mean, I, I can't remember if it was six or seven, but he tied Peyton Manning for the most games with a quarterback rating over 100. I, I want to say it was seven games with a quarterback rating over 100. And, you know, I, I think Manning won the MVP that year, and obviously Manning led the Colts to the Super Bowl against the Bears. But then he had, like, yeah, you know, there's 16 games in a season. Seven of them were good. The other nine were just <laughs> – it was the good Rex, bad Rex season. So, yeah, that was a crazy season. And, you know, thankfully Mitchell Trubisky, a lot more stability, a little bit more consistency than Rex. And you know, as a Bears fan, I'm looking for him to take a big step. We saw him take, um, you know, a big step, uh, you know, going from John Fox to Matt Nagy last oh, yeah. year. You know, we saw a result in a playoff appearance. Um, Ryan Pace, he upgraded the weapons, you know, bringing in Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel, drafting Anthony Miller, signing Trey Burton uh, as a, a move tight end in free agency. So uh, he's got to make a, a similar size leap uh, going from year one of Matt Nagy's offense to year two. And if he can do that, this is going to be a team that wins the NFC North again, is at, at least in the playoffs again with, you know, 10 to 11 wins and, you know, dangerous when you get into the playoffs because last year you're like can Mitchell Trubisky win us a playoff game you know I think he's good he's certainly got the talent but is he a guy that strikes fear into the opposing defenses and last year he certainly didn't do that Um, but this year I think the door is open for him to, to open up a lot of eyes around the league and really quiet a lot of doubters because I was among them when the Bears drafted Trubisky I was I was very angry. I wanted Deshaun Watson. I wanted Patrick Mahomes. So when they when they did take Trubisky, I was like, oh, boy, I don't know about this. But, I mean, now he's my guy, and I'm rooting for him, and I want him to succeed. And I think between Pace and Nagy, they've done a lot of a lot of work over the last year, to two, last year or two to really put him in the best position to succeed and really accentuate what he does best. So this is it's a big year for the Bears and, and for Trubisky, who, you know, I don't want to say he's – under pressure but he might be a guy that's like under them you know among the most pressure around the league you know i mean yeah it, it's really all on him because we know the defense is going to be great so it's it's all on the quarterback and- do we though because that's the th- that's the narrative with the bears and i'm not sure how i feel about it i've gone back and forth between likening it to the Jaguars when they went to the AFC Championship game with a similarly great defense, a surprisingly mm-hmm. good defense. Absolutely. And then the next year, they fell off. And it's a, it's almost not an identical situation because I think that Trubisky's a better quarterback than Blake Bortles, but you, that was the same anchor was, oh, it's the quarterback. If only they wouldn't have had Blake Bortles, they beat the Patriots, they go to the Super Bowl, and who knows, maybe they beat the Eagles. So... That was kind of how I'm looking at the Bears coming into this season. 
And the narrative with them seems to be, at least the thing that a lot of people like to hammer on, is they lose Adrian Amos and they lose Bryce Callahan. They lose guys on defense and all of their free agent acquisitions, offense. And then they trade Jordan Howard, who, you know, you got Tariq Cohen, you've got other options here. Is the defense really going to be good this year? Because are they going to be able not to necessarily replicate what they did last year because it was generationally great, Mm -hmm. but you still have Khalil Mack. You still have a great linebacking core, but one of the biggest defensive losses when you mentioned Amos and Callahan, Vic Fangio's not there anymore. I got a lot of questions about that defense. I don't want the Bears to be bad. I just am not investing as much stock in them. What do you say to people who are pointing out these flaws in the Bears' defense? I would say all those questions you raised are certainly valid. The, The comparisons to the Jaguars... A lot of a lot of similar similarities there. You know, they're almost kind of mirror images. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm really not worried about the Bears' defense at all. I I'm kind of curious to see how uh, you know Vic Fangio's out. You know, he's the head coach for the Broncos. Chuck Pagano comes in, uh, didn't really have great success as a head coach for the Colts, but then again, he also got fired because Andrew Luck got hurt. You know, so like, <laughs> how much am I going to put that? And then their general manager was terrible. Oh, That's God. why he's got fired. And then Ryan Grigson comes in and, you know, the guy's a hero. Um, so I don't put too much blame on Chuck Pagano because that first year he was great. Uh, all, like, fantastic coordinator with the Ravens. So I think he's going to be different than what Fangio did. I think they're going to be a little bit more aggressive at times. Maybe blitz a little bit more, bring a couple of different looks to uh, to the offense. So it, it's going to be different, but I'm not really worried about it. Replicating the the a number of turnovers they forced last year that's always going to be tough because you know that was one of the things that the Jaguars did so well a few year, uh, a couple years ago. And I we've seen this with other great Bears teams in the past. You know, going back to you know Mike Brown and Erlacher and Lance Briggs and Tommy Harris and some of those great Bears defenses. They would force a lot of turnovers. Lovey Smith's teams were great at that. Yep. And they were great at turning those turnovers to points, which is what the Bears defense did last year as well. So it's going to be tough to have that same type of turnover rate and rate at which they turn those turnovers to points. So that's where the, the pressure comes on Trubisky to kind of make up those you know four to six points or so per game. Um, Adrian Amos, losing him, he was a, a good player, but... You know, he is maybe the the 10th best player on the defense. So, you know, you hate to see him go, but he's expendable. You you bring in ha-ha Clinton Dix on a one-year kind of prove-it type deal, former first-round pick out of Alabama, fell out of favor in Green Bay, was traded to Washington. They let him go. They had a a really bad year. So I think he's motivated to be, you know, hey, I got to put some good tape on film here. He's playing for a new deal. So I think he'll be better than what we saw in film last year uh, with the Packers and the Redskins. And, and you surround him with some other great players. He could play, uh, you know, opposite Eddie Jackson, who is on a on a huge, huge, huge offswing. This guy is going to be in the Pro Bowl for hopefully the next eight years or so. Um, really special player, and I think he'll really thrive under, uh, under Pagano. But, yeah, ha-ha Clinton Dix, you know, that'll be interesting. I'm keeping an open mind. Bryce Callahan – Really valuable as a nickel, but he got hurt uh, last year. They played without him for a long time. You know, it's a nickel. The nickel position is valuable in, in today's NFL, as we know, with the proclivity and propensity of teams passing it and all of that. So, you know, it's a loss. They bring in Buster Screen and free agency. He's a, a, a lesser player, but the hope is that with the other 10 players on the field at the same time, he kind of masks some of those issues. But full year with Khalil Mack, full training camp with Mack. Akeem Hicks is back. Roquan Smith was a holdout uh, into training camp last year. The number eight pick last year. This guy's going to be awesome. Had a sack on his first NFL play last year. <laughs> I think this guy's going to be a, a tackle monster. Leonard Floyd, another former first-round pick, another linebacker out of Georgia. He's had some injury issues uh, during his first few years in the NFL. This guy, hoping he could stay healthy, hoping the, the presence of Mack on one side, Hicks in the middle, Roquan, in uh, the second level in the middle. Hopefully Leonard Floyd, you know, hopefully this is a year where he puts it all together. He gets that 10-plus sack season. You know, I'm kind of thinking maybe he can have a type of season that we saw D. Ford have last year. Uh, D. Ford wasn't the, the same caliber, highly picked player that Leonard Floyd was, but you see him 
you know, get double-digit sacks and, you know, provides a, a bonus, if you will, pass-rushing threat uh, from that defense. So, you know, there are a lot of great players. And Bilal Nichols, he's you know, a fifth-round pick. He's going to be great in the interior defensive line. Kyle Fuller coming off a Pro Bowl season. So it'll be interesting to see if he can repeat that success because he's a guy who had a, a really good rookie season. Then he kind of struggled the next couple of seasons. Had his best football season last year, so uh, hopefully he can repeat that. So this defense is going to be good. Will it be the best outstanding 30-plus turnovers this season? I don't know. That is tough to repeat. But I think there is plenty of talent. you got Khalil Mack, who, alongside Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald you know, the best, second-best, third-best defender in football. So a lot of talent. It's just going to maybe look a little bit different with Pagano running things. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this defense. We just can't have, you know, Trubisky taking a big step back. Yeah. That's that's really my only concern. So we'll get out of here on this one because you may or may not have convinced me to lighten up on the Bears a little bit because I do love the linebacking core. The linebacking core, I mean, we talk about Monsters of the Midway making a comeback. That's incredible. That, that is an incredible linebacking core. But what after all of that, all of that convincing, all of the evidence, what's your realistic outlook on the Bears? What are you pegging them as this year? Are you going... I went to the infamous Mitchell Trubisky seven touchdown game, whatever, six, seven. Six, yeah, against the, the Buccaneers. Yeah. I paid for that. Oh. And all the Bears fans around me were like, we'll see you in Atlanta this year. We're going to the Super Bowl, baby. And they actually ended up having a better rest of the season than I thought they were. But are you on that train? Are you like, all right, we're going to see you at the Super Bowl? Or is there more progression that needs to happen here where it's like, all right, we get to the divisional round? Or do we miss the playoffs? Where, where were you got the Bears with this year? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really Super Bowl or bust. When you have when you make a big move to get Khalil Mack and some of the other moves they had, you got to capitalize on these windows because they close so fast in the NFL. It's tough to be good, you know, three, four, five years in a row unless you have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick on your team. And yeah. it's just it's just tough. So, do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl? No. If they do make it to the NFC Championship game. They do make it to the Super Bowl. Would I be surprised? No, I wouldn't. And if that happens, that means Trubisky made the big step that I'm anticipating that Bears fans need to happen, and this defense didn't miss a step. But they didn't win a playoff game last year. You know, they they still have questions. It's not a perfect team, but it's a team that I wouldn't be surprised wins 11 games again this year. They won 12 last year. You know, they have a little bit of a tougher schedule now playing that first place conf- or first place schedule. They got to play the uh, AFC West, so they're going to have the Chiefs and the Chargers. Uh, so that's two tougher opponents. Um, so you know, it's you know they should win ten or eleven. I still think they're the the class of the NFC North. You know, the Vikings are a good team. Uh, I think the Packers are being a little slept on. Actually, I think Aaron Rodgers is incredibly motivated. And I think he and Matt LaFleur could, you know, if they work out, they could they could do some really good things. And Devontae Adams might be a top-five receiver now in the league. But, yeah, you know, the Bears, you talked about Jordan Howard. He's gone. You know, he was productive. You know, a 1,000-yard season from a running back isn't that special like it was mm-hmm. 10 years ago. He was very one-dimensional, a plotting-type running back. David Montgomery, who was their first pick in the draft, um, you know, from Iowa State. I think he's a guy that has some great – contact balance he can break tackles he can run through the run through the pile find the hole i think he's an upgrade the bears return all five offensive line starters Allen robinson year two off a torn acl which you know he tore in the first game of the season last year or two years ago for the jags yep so and that was a long time between football games uh between that uh, 2018 <laughs> opener so the second year in the offense i think Allen robinson has a chance to put up like a a 1400 yard season like he had uh, in his Pro Bowl season when Blake Bortles somehow threw 35 touchdowns in that season, in large part thanks to Allen Robinson. So Anthony Miller, a second-round pick two years ago, he had seven touchdowns as a rookie. If he could stay healthy, he's a guy that's going to be a really valuable number two. Taylor Gabriel, a really solid number three. Trey Burton, hopefully he has a little bit better season than his first year in Chicago. Um, but for me, I love that the offensive line returns all five guys. I think the running game is in a better spot this year. So hopefully Trubisky, year three in the league, year two under Nagy. I think this is, you know, I, all they really need to do is be a top 15 offense. Yeah. You know, and then that should be good enough. So 
uh, you know, the NFC is, is, is great. You know, you got the Eagles, you got the Cowboys are going to be in the mix. You got to figure the Saints are going to be in the mix. The Falcons are optimistic. The Panthers are optimistic. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the, the NFC West is kind of crazy with, um, you know, the 49ers thinking they're going to be better with Garoppolo back. Uh, obviously, the Seahawks, as long as Russell Wilson's there, they'll be competitive. And the Rams, who represented the NFC in the, in the Super Bowl last year. So, you know, it's there's a lot of good teams. And I think the Bears, you know, I'd put them on paper behind the Rams. I think they're better than the Eagles, though, even though the Eagles beat them last year. Barely. Uh, they're a double doink away from <laughs> – I think. yeah, I think the Bears were a double doink away from being in the Super Bowl last year. So, yeah. they really just hope that wasn't a, a missed opportunity and that window's closed. But – yeah, I think the Bears are, are in a good spot. And, and it's kind of weird because the Bears have never really been in a good spot my entire life. They would have good seasons, but they really wouldn't stack those good seasons on top of each other. Now I think they're in a good spot where they can do that and you know, hopefully keep this window open for the next two, three, four years or however long Khalil Mack is on this roster <laughs> and before they have to make a big decision whether or not to give Mitchell Trubisky $150 million or you know they find somebody else to play quarterback. So you know, I think the Bears are in a great spot to get back to the playoffs and, and make some noise. Tank for Trevor. Trevor Lawrence in Chicago. There you go. I mean, I would take Trevor Lawrence <laughs> over Mitchell Trubisky today. That's just how much I, I love Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the guy is, guy is a special, special <laughs> talent. All right. All right. Thanks, Schmidt, stepping in. We're going to have you back during the season. we got to talk college football. Yeah, I'm excited about it. It'll be a, a nice recurring segment. We'll get in there and read the Schmidt list Tuesdays and Thursdays. It comes out. But, uh, all right, thanks for stopping by, buddy. Hey, my pleasure. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.